Chapter Twenty Four of Emily of New Moon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by B. L. Newman. Emily of New Moon by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter Twenty Four. A different kind of happiness. July twentieth, dear father. I have been a fortnight at Withergrange, and I have not written to you once, but I thought of you every day. I had to write to Aunt Laura, and Ilsa, and Teddy, and Cousin Jimmy, and Perry, and between times I am having such fun. The first night I was here, I did not think I was going to be happy, but I am. Only, it's a different kind from New Moon happiness. Aunt Nancy and Caroline are very good to me, and let me do exactly as I like. This is very agreeable. They are very sarcastic to each other, but I think they are a good bit like Ilsa and me. They fight quite frequently, but love each other very hard between times. I am sure Caroline isn't a witch, but I would like to know what she thinks of when she is all alone by herself. Aunt Nancy is not pretty any longer, but she is very aristocratic-looking. She doesn't walk much because of her rheumatism, so she sits mostly in her back parlor and reads and knits lace, or plays cards with Caroline. I talk to her a great deal, because she says it amuses her, and I have told her a great many things, but I have never told her that I write poetry. If I did, I know she would make me recite it to her, and I feel she is not the right person to recite your poetry to, and I do not talk about you or mother to her, though she tries to make me. I told her all about Lofty John— and his bush and going to Father Cassidy. She chuckled over that, and said she always liked to talk to the Catholic priests, because they were the only men in the world a woman could talk to for more than ten minutes without other women saying she was throwing herself at their heads. Aunt Nancy says a great many things like that. She and Caroline talk a great deal to each other about things that happened in the priest and Murray families. I like to sit and listen. They don't stop just as things are getting interesting the way Aunt Elizabeth and Aunt Laura do. A good many things I don't understand, but I will remember them, and will find out about them sometime. I have written descriptions of Aunt Nancy and Caroline in my Jimmy book. I keep the book hid behind the wardrobe in my room, because I found Caroline rummaging in my trunk one day. I must not call Aunt Nancy great-aunt. She says it makes her feel like Methuselah. She tells me all about the men who were in love with her. It seems to me they all behaved pretty much the same. I don't think that was exciting, but she says it was. She tells me all about the parties and dances they used to have here long ago. Withergrange is bigger than New Moon, and the furniture is much handsomer, but it is harder to feel acquainted with it. There are many interesting things in this house. I love to look at them. There is a Jacobite glass on a stand in the parlor. It was a glass an old ancestor of the priests had long ago in Scotland, and it has a thistle and a rose on it, and they used it to drink to Prince Charlie's health with, and for no other purpose. It is a very valuable heirloom, and Aunt Nancy prizes it highly, and she has a pickled snake in a big glass jar in the china cabinet. It's hideous, but fascinating. I shiver when I see it, but yet I go to look at it every day. Something seems to drag me to it. Aunt Nancy has a bureau in her room with glass knobs, and a vase shaped like a green fish sitting up on end, and a Chinese dragon with a curly tail, 
and a case of sweet little stuffed hummingbirds, and a sand glass for boiling eggs by, and a framed wreath made out of the hair of all the dead priests, and lots of old daguerreotypes. But the thing I like the best of all is the great silvery shining ball hanging from the lamp in the parlor. It reflects everything like a little fairy world. Aunt Nancy calls it a gazing ball, and says that when she is dead, I am to have it. I wish she hadn't said that, because I want that ball so much that I can't help wondering when she will die, and that makes me feel wicked. I am to have the Chessie cat door knocker and her gold earrings, too. These are Murray heirlooms. Aunt Nancy says the priest heirlooms must go to the priests. I will like the Chessie cat, but I don't want the earrings. I'd rather not have people notice my ears. I have to sleep alone. I feel frightened, but I think if I could get over being frightened, I'd like it. I don't mind the swallows now. It's just being alone so far away from one. But it is lovely to be able to stretch out your legs just as you like, and not have anybody scold you for squirming. And when I get up in the night, and think of a splendid line of poetry? Because the things that you think of like that always seem the best. I can get right out of bed and write it down in my Jimmy book. I couldn't do that at home, and then by morning I'd likely forget it. I thought of such a nice line last night. Lilies lifted pearly chalices. A chalice is a kind of cup, only more poetical. Where bees were drowned in sweetness. And I felt happy because I was sure they were two better lines than I had composed yet. I am allowed to go into the kitchen and help Caroline cook. Caroline is a good cook, but sometimes she makes a mistake and this vexes Aunt Nancy because she likes nice things to eat. The other day, Caroline made the barley soup far too thick, and when Aunt Nancy looked at her plate, she said, Lord, is this a dinner or a poultice? Caroline said, it is good enough for a priest, and what is good enough for a priest is good enough for a Murray. And Aunt Nancy said, Woman, the priests eat of the crumbs that fall from the Murray's tables. And Caroline was so mad she cried. And Aunt Nancy said to me, Emily, never marry a priest. Just like old Kelly, when I have no intention of marrying one of them. I don't like any of them I've seen very much, but they seem to me a good deal like other people. Jim is the best of them, but impotent. I like the Withergrange breakfasts better than the New Moon breakfasts. We have toast and bacon and marmalade, nicer than porridge. Sunday is more amusing here than at New Moon, but not so holy. Nice for a change. Aunt Nancy can't go to church or knit lace, so she and Caroline play cards all day, but she says I must never do it, that she is just a bad example. I love to look at Aunt Nancy's big parlor Bible, because there are so many interesting things in it. Pieces of dresses, and hair, and poetry, and old tintypes, and accounts of deaths and weddings. I found a piece about my own birth, and it gave me a queer feeling. In the afternoon, some of the priests come to see Aunt Nancy and stay to supper. Leslie Priest always comes. He is Aunt Nancy's favorite nephew, so Jim says, I think that is because he pays her compliments but I saw him wink at Isaac Priest once when he paid her one. I don't like him. He treats me as if I were a mere child. Aunt Nancy says terrible things to them all, but they just laugh. When they go away, Aunt Nancy makes fun of them to Caroline. Caroline doesn't like it because she is a priest, and so she and Aunt Nancy always quarrel Sunday evening 
and don't speak again till Monday morning. I can read all the books in Aunt Nancy's bookcase, except the row on the top shelf. I wonder why I can't read them. Aunt Nancy said they were French novels, but I just peeped into one and it was English. I wonder if Aunt Nancy tells lies. The place I love best is down at Bayshore. Some parts of the shore are very steep, and there are such nice, woodsy, unexpected places all along it. I wander there and compose poetry. I miss Elsa and Teddy and Perry and Saucy Sal a great deal. I had a letter from Ilsa today. She wrote me that they couldn't do anything more about the Midsummer Night's Dream till I got back. It is nice to feel so necessary. Aunt Nancy doesn't like Aunt Elizabeth. She called her a tyrant one day, and then she said, Jimmy Murray was a very clever boy. Elizabeth Murray killed his intellect in her temper, and nothing was done to her. If she had killed his body, she would have been a murderess. The other was worse, if you ask me. I do not like Aunt Elizabeth at times myself, but I felt, dear father, that I must stand up for my family, and I said, I do not want to hear such things said of my Aunt Elizabeth, and I just gave Aunt Nancy a look. She said, Well, Saucebox, my brother Archibald will never be dead as long as you're alive. If you don't want to hear things, don't hang around when Caroline and I are talking. I notice there are plenty of things you like to hear. This was sarcasm, dear father, but I still feel Aunt Nancy likes me, but perhaps she will not like me very long. Jim Priest says she is fickle and never liked anyone, even her husband, very long. But after she has been sarcastic to me, she always tells Caroline to give me a piece of pie, so I don't mind the sarcasm. She lets me have real tea, too. I like it. At new moon, Aunt Elizabeth won't give me anything but cambric tea because it is best for my health. Aunt Nancy says the way to be healthy is to eat just what you want and never think about your stomach. But then she was never threatened with consumption. She says I needn't be a bit frightened of dying of consumption because I have too much ginger in me. That is a comforting thought. The only time I don't like Aunt Nancy is when she begins talking about the different parts of me and the effect they will have on the men. It makes me feel so silly. I will write to you oftener after this, dear father. I feel I have been neglecting you. P.S. I am afraid there are some mistakes in spelling in this letter. I forgot to bring my dictionary with me. July 22nd Oh, dear father, I am in a dreadful scrape. I don't know what I am to do. Oh, father, I have broken Aunt Nancy's Jacobite glass. It seems to me like a dreadful dream. I went into the parlor today to look at the pickled snake, and just as I was turning away, my sleeve caught the Jacobite glass and over it went on the hearth and shivered into fragments. At first I rushed out and left them there, but afterwards I went back and carefully gathered them up and hid them in a box behind the sofa. Aunt Nancy never goes into the parlor now, and Caroline not very often, and perhaps they may not miss the glass until I go home, but it haunts me. I keep thinking of it all the time, and I cannot enjoy anything. I know Aunt Nancy will be furious and never forgive me if she finds out. I could not sleep all night for worrying about it. Jim Priest came down to play with me today, but he said there was no fun in me and went home. The priests mostly say what they think. Of course, there was no fun in me. How could there be? 
I wonder if it would do any good to pray about it. I don't feel as if it would be right to pray, because I am deceiving Aunt Nancy. July 24th Dear Father, This is a very strange world. Nothing ever turns out just like what you expect. Last night I couldn't sleep again. I was so worried. I thought I was a coward and doing an underhanded thing and not living up to my traditions. At last it got so bad I couldn't stand it. I can bear it when other people have a bad opinion of me, but it hurts too much when I have a bad opinion of myself. So I got out of bed and went right back through all those halls to the back parlor. Aunt Nancy was still there all alone playing solitaire. She said what on earth I was out of bed for at such an hour. I just said, short and quick, to get the worst over. I broke your Jacobite glass yesterday and hid the pieces behind the sofa. Then I waited for the storm to burst. Aunt Nancy said, What a blessing. I've often wanted to smash it, but I never had the courage. All the priest clan are waiting for me to die to get that glass and quarrel over it. And I'm tickled to think none of them can have it now, and yet can't pick a fuss with me over smashing it. Get off to bed and get your beauty sleep. I said, and you aren't mad at all, Aunt Nancy? If it had been a Murray heirloom, I'd have torn up the turf, Aunt Nancy said. But I don't care a hoot about the priest things. So I went back to bed, dear father, and felt very relieved, but not so heroic. I had a letter from Ilsa today. She says Saucy Sal had kittens at last. I feel that I ought to be home to see about them. Likely Aunt Elizabeth will have them all drowned before I get back. I had a letter from Teddy, too. Not much of a letter, but all filled with dear little pictures of Ilsa and Perry, and the Tansy Patch, and Lofty John's Bush. They made me feel homesick. July 28th Oh, dear father, I have found out all about the mystery of Ilsa's mother. It is so terrible I can't write it down, even to you. I cannot believe it, but Aunt Nancy says it is true. I did not think there could be such terrible things in the world. No, I can't believe it, and I won't believe it no matter who says it's true. I know Ilse's mother couldn't have done anything like that. There must have been a fearful mistake somewhere. I am so unhappy, and I feel as if I could never be happy any more. Last night I wept on my pillow, like the heroines in Aunt Nancy's books do. End of chapter 24